probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. You're listening to Star Wars Sessions with Matt Hudson and Luke Bly. This is where the fun begins. Good morning, afternoon or evening, wherever you are in the galaxy and welcome to Star Wars Sessions. Come for the Star Wars, stay for the Sessions. My name is Matt Hudson, aka Jabba the Hud, and joining me as ever in the cockpit of the Essex Falcon is the greatest Star Wars man, fan and buddy out there. He is the face of Adventures of Wild Space, a young kitten novel. In the book, they called him Milograph. That was an error. It's Blylograph. <laughs> Another one. Another one. That was a last minute one, mate. What an absolute saucy legend. How on earth are you, Mr. Hudson? Mate, I could probably copy and paste what I said last week. We're still in isolation, still in lockdown. It's still mm. scary times. However, keeping healthy, staying safe, staying in. Spirits are up, um, here to talk Star Wars, So, um, and I'm here to talk Star Wars with you, my man, so what could be better? How about yourself, mate? Hey, 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 and also, mate, I just want to say, lads, ladettes, if you ain't listened to our first Star Wars sessions, or Star Wars roundtable yep. sessions, that, re- that, 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 that released on Monday, <laughs> go listen to that as well, mate, or listen to it after, whatever, it's an absolute Banger. We talk all, all Disney Plus. We talk we talk about Kenobi show. We talk about Rosario Dawson being in the Mandalorian. We talk all Disney Plus stuff. So go listen to that as well. But right here today we have some absolute fire coming to your headphones. Am I right, Matt? My ears are burning. We have got some sweet, sweet, sweet vibes for you guys. We, it's not even shooting the galactic breeze, mate. We are flipping nuking the galactic breeze tonight, all right, boys? This is, this is on a different level, people. This is on a different level. So we can't wait to get stuck into that. But before that, should we do, the, uh, should we do our usual? Should we go for the galactic news round? Oh, mate, let's smash it. Andrew Jack who played Resistance Major Emmett in The Force Awakens and The Last Jedi and acted as a dialect coach for various Star Wars movies, has passed away at age 76 due to the coronavirus. Rest in peace. Five key Jedi of the High Republic have been revealed by Lucasfilm officially. Avar Chris, Loden Greatstorm, Keeve Trennis, Stellan Geos, and Vernestra Rowe will lead us off in the new era. StarWars.com has revealed Soran Keys as the villain in the upcoming Alexander Freed novel, Shadowfall, the second entry into the Alphabet Squadron trilogy. Now, for this week's episode, we decided we'd do something a little bit different from previous weeks. We've done away with the main discussion because we don't want to give you guys something that's merely good. We don't want to give you something that's frankly not bad either. You guys deserve the best. So without any further, Luke and myself are delighted. We are honoured to say that tonight we are joined by the legend, and I mean that, that is Ahmed Best. Ahmed, how on earth are you, mate? 
Hello, I'm good. I'm good. I'm really good. Thank you, guys. How are you? Thank you so much for joining us, Ahmed. I know we had to figure out some time different stuff, some time travel stuff, but you know, we're here and we are ready to talk about your legendary, and I mean that, the legendary status of being able to have been Jar Jar Binks himself. Like, I am, I am, I'm like, I can't believe it. I'm talking to Jar Jar. <laughs> <laughs> this is yeah, crazy. that was me. Mama, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think you should set your expectations a little bit higher. But uh, <laughs> oh, I, I appreciate that. You take that back. <laughs> I appreciate it. No, we're, we're so excited to have you on, mate. We really appreciate. It. And the first thing we've got to say is, we in this strange world we're living in currently, uh, we hope you're keeping well. We hope you're staying safe, mate. Yeah, thank you very much for that. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely staying safe. I am taking every precaution. I am social distancing. I am self-isolating with my family, of course. But um, yeah, we it's definitely, you know, health first, people first, you know, community first. And that's best served by staying put, yeah. by staying at home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. From from Jar Jar Binks himself, everyone. So we we gotta we gotta heed that advice. Um, Please but, do. But you know, we 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 got some time here for some pure escapism, man. And and you are an icon in the uh, Star Wars community in the Star Wars lore, right? So if you don't mind, Matty boy, I reckon let's dive into it. What do you think? Do you know what I think? It's a really good idea, mate. Let's smash it, mate. Yeah, let's smash it. it. So so Ahmed, right? For, yeah, for yeah, those yeah. of you, for those of uh, for our listeners who don't know, how did you get the role of Jar Jar Binks in the first place? How did it happen? Um, I was doing a show called Stomp, yep. which is actually a show that uh, originated in the UK. It's from Brighton. Yes, and um, I was on tour doing Stomp in San Francisco. And I was the lead of the show. Um, but that night, ironically enough, um, uh, uh, and I, I talk about this in the one-man show because it was really kind of serendipitous what happened. One of, the, uh, one of my castmates got really sick. And so I had to play a role that I hadn't played in about eight months. And I wasn't very happy about it as well, because, you know, once you get when you're when when you're a lead of a show, the entire cast around you kind of fits towards you. Mm -hmm. So it was very difficult for me to play this other role because it throws off the entire cast. Right. But um, another guy came in from New York and he was from San Francisco. And that's where we were in San Francisco. I've had I mentioned that before. But he was from San Francisco and he wanted to lead the show and he had seniority over me. And so I had to be relegated to the back of um, the back line of the show, which did not make me happy at all. I bet. <laughs> and um, because at the time I was like 22, 23 years old and I was a bit of a hothead um, at the time, I decided to do a show that um, pretty much made sure that nobody was going to look at that guy and everybody was going to look at me. And Stomp was the kind of show where, you know, I'm a drummer 
and it, it's a very percussion heavy show. And the guy who came up was not as good of a drummer as I was. So I just destroyed it, <laughs> you know, and that, that was my goal was to just completely blast him off the stage. And I did. Right. But in the, in, by, by, in the, by the same time, like I was just doing the most, I was just extra. I was doing like backflips and I took my shirt off and I was throwing it into the crowd. <laughs> and then at the end of the show, I kind of felt bad because, you know, stop was really about, it's a, it's very much an ensemble show. Mm-hmm. So, I made the show like about me rather than making the show about the group, the eight people working together. So um, I was on my way back to the hotel in just a terrible mood and just embarrassed because I felt like I embarrassed myself. And I get a call and the call is from Robin Gerlin who casted uh, episodes one and two. And she called me and she was like, can you come to Skywalker Ranch and audition? And I was like, what? For what? She was like, I saw your show. I really loved it. And I really would love you to audition for Star Wars. And I was wow. like, what? And I had no idea that, I mean, I knew people were thinking about doing another Star Wars movie. And like every fan, I was just like, oh man, I can't wait again. But I never thought that it was going to come my way, you know? And so it was kind of surreal. Like my audition was at Skywalker Ranch. And I was just like, this is crazy. But not just, you know, auditioning for this movie, but I am at Skywalker Ranch right now. Like for me, that was more than enough. Mm-hmm. You know, even if I never got the role, I was just like, I'm here. And as I was walking through, you know, she gave me a tour, Robin gave me a tour of Skywalker. And as I was walking through, I see like, the the Indiana Jones hat and the whip. And then I see, you know, Alec Guinness's original lightsaber. And and I'm just like, what is going on right now? This is just bananas. Like, this is just absolutely insane what's happening right now. And then we go to Robin's little office and audition. And, you know, the audition was crazy because she was like, I can't tell you what it is. I can't tell you what's going to happen. I can't tell you who you're auditioning for. <laughs> and I was like, well, is there a script? And she was like, there's no script. And even if there was, I can't give you any lines from the script. And I was like, well, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> yeah. And she was like, all right, I'm going to give you a couple of scenarios. And then the scenario she gave me ended up being like the first scene of Phantom Menace, which was like me jumping on Liam. Mm -hmm. So I do that, not knowing what the hell that is. And then I go back out on tour, you know? And I'm just like, oh, well, that was fun. You know, it was crazy. And um, they they make you sign all these kind of NDAs. So I couldn't tell anybody about it, you know? So two weeks later, I'm in DC on tour with Stop. And I get a phone call and it's Robin. And she was like, can you come back to um, San Fran for a screen test? And I was like, word. So I'm going to go back to San Francisco for a screen test. So I get time off, fly back, you know, and I'm at Skywalker just chilling. And then she's like, all right, we're going to go to ILM tomorrow and do 
the screen test. And I was like, ILM, that's bananas. And you know, ILM is just kind of legendary, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Loves music is just like, we all want to go to ILM. So I'm driving around to find ILM and the old ILM, ILM is now in the Presidio in San Francisco now. It's very easy to find, right? The old ILM was impossible to find. <laughs> it looked like it looked like a fake movie set, right? And th- and that's what they wanted. They wanted people to be able to drive through ILM and have no idea that that's what you were driving through. Mm-hmm. So it looked like this strip mall filled with like weird fast food restaurants that I'd never heard of, right? And so I'm driving around and I'm just like, and I call Robin, you know, this was kind of pre-cell phones. So I stop at a phone and I'm just like, hey, Robin, like, I don't know where I am. I'm driving through this strip mall that's like abandoned. And she was like, no, no, that's it. That's ILM. (laughs) I was like, like, nobody could give me the heads up about this? Like, I don't know. So (laughs) I'm driving around and then I see Rob Coleman, who's the head of animation who is like the other half of Jar Jar. I see Rob Coleman and and a lot of the animation team and they're standing outside and they're like flagging me down. They're waving me and they're like, we're right here, right? (laughs) And I'm like, oh, okay. So I go to um, a parked car and it's straight up like, you know, get smart. You walk in through this like weird restaurant and then you go in the back and then it's the Energizer Bunny, Han Solo frozen in carbonite. No. Like all of these things, like you wish, <laughs> as soon as you walk through the back of this thing, it's like smack, you're in the middle of ILM. Wow. So I was like, what is going on? This is some weird, like James Bond type of stuff. So um, I get to this huge, like, hangar for the screen test, and I walk in. And, you know, this is the first time anybody was doing a mocap main character in the movie. So everybody was trying to figure it out. Nobody really knew what was going on. Everything was really experimental, question mark. And my screen test was really the time where people were just like, can we actually do this? Or is this going to be just a superfluous exercise, right? So they take me in the back and <laughs> they give me this, the mocap suit, which everybody knows right now. But yeah, at the sure. time, it's this like cat suit <laughs> with a bunch of like ping pong balls <laughs> over it. They're like six inch platform heels because Jar Jar is taller than me with ping pong ball and a headband with ping pong balls on it. And I'm just like, what is this? <laughs> and they go, put this on, right? So I put it on. And I look like I'm some kind of, you know, weird trans exercise leader, right? So I walk into the into the space and I'm just like, okay, just tell me what to do. And they're like, all right, we have to wait for George. No. I had not I had not met George before. Right? Wow. And yeah. you're meeting him dressed like this. So this exactly. This is the first time I am meeting George Lucas and I'm looking like I'm ready to go to the gay bar. So <laughs> I'm just really, really nervous. So it's great, really. Embarrassed, excited. 
And I'm just like, oh my God, this is just so weird. And the other thing is like, nobody's telling me what's going on. Like nobody's saying anything to me. I'm just like looking around going, what's about to happen? You know, (laughs) what's going on? So George walks in and he's super unassuming. And, you know, he's got the, he's dressed like, the the icon, you know what I'm saying? He's got the flannel joint the on, trainers. the beard, you know, the trainers, the jeans, you know, and he's really kind of quiet. So <laughs> he goes, um, hey, uh, how you doing? I'm like, hey, Mr. Lucas, really nice to meet you. And he's like, oh, okay, good, 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 good. <laughs> and then I'm just like, oh, yeah, that's good. All right. And he's like, yeah, okay, okay, good. Um, uh, just, walk, walk, just walk up and down through the space. Now, um, when I did the audition in Robin's office at at, uh, Skywalker, I was walking kind of like low to the ground like a salamander, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was like, okay, should I do that? Should I walk low to the ground like a salamander? And he was like, no, 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 no. No, just stand up and like kind of walk, kind of loose, kind of loping, long arms, you know, kind of slow. And I was like, okay, cool. So I did that, right? He was like, okay, cool, 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 cool. And I was like, anything else? And he was just like, yeah, yeah, I kind of walk fast, kind of walk slow. And uh, and he was like, okay, now do whatever you want. And I was like, all right. So I started doing, um, uh, there's a Brazilian martial art called capoeira. And I used to mm-hmm. be really into capoeira. So I started doing a lot of capoeira. I did some cartwheels. I did some backflips. I did some, all of this kind of stuff, right? And so I'm done. I was like, <laughs> okay, how was that? And he goes, okay, thanks. And leave. <laughs> Wow. Was it the cat suit? And I was like, I was like, what is this? Like, did I? And then Rob comes over to me and he's like, oh man, you did really well. And I was like, really? Because <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> you know? He was like, no, that was really good. And then he goes, come and check this out. So I go on the other side and, you know, there's this wall of computer monitors. And at the time, computer monitors were like six feet deep. Yeah. They weren't like these flat screens, right? So I was looking at these monitors and I see the, it's my skeleton in the computer moving like me, but it's just like this, what, you know, it's called a point cloud, Mm -hmm. right? But it's just like all the ping pong balls, but it just moves like me. And then they put, you know, characters over the point cloud. And I was like, how is this happening? So they point at all the cameras that were around the room. And they're like, the cameras are infrared. They're shooting film, infrared film. Mm -hmm. And it's picking up the ping pong balls and then turning that into information and putting it in the computer. And they're like, before you walked in here, we didn't even know this could happen. We didn't know this was going to be possible. Like Now we know it's possible and we can do it. And I was just like, well, this is cool. And they were just like, all right, cool. So I go back out on tour and I'm just like, you know, if this is all that comes of this, this was fantastic. Right. I had such a great time. I got to meet George. You know, I got to meet a bunch of cool, like nerdy animation dudes. I'm good. (laughs) I get a phone call. I'm in Philly. Right. We're in Philadelphia. I get a phone call and they're like, do you want to come out? And they they asked me. I was like, like, I really need to be asked. They're (laughs) like, we would like to cast you in Star Wars. Would you like to do it? And I was just like, uh, yeah. <laughs> <You> <laughs> yeah know, like, straight up. 
I was like, they're like, all right, come to England in a month or two, and you'll be in the movie. And then the rest was, the rest was that. So that's how I got it. Imagine getting that call to say, oh, by the way, do you know want to, you know, do you want to stop what you're doing, just being a Star Wars, the most anticipated film of all time, The Phantom Menace? Do you fancy being in it, mate? I, that was a, the story itself was making me excited because as if I didn't know the ending a bit. But so you get, you you get the gig, and you're in London. What's it like? Well, actually, firstly, um, when did you find out the look, the actual visual look of Jar Jar? And when you actually walked out on set for the first time, how how was that? I found out as soon as I signed all the contracts and they had, you know, they, they had me locked in, you know, promised if I said anything, they would take my firstborn and the whole thing. As soon as I did all of that, they were just like, OK, we can finally show you something. So I went to, to England for a fitting because mm-hmm. um, they had to make a cast of my whole body so they can start building the costume around it. So I went in for the cast and I finally saw the character and I was like, Oh wow. That's there. There he is. You know, they're like, this is what he looks like. And I was like, Oh, they're cool. And I was like, do I get a script? And I saw, read the script and it had all the Misas and the uses and all of that stuff. And I was just like, what is happening? <laughs> like, what's going on? Right. Um, uh, and that's when I finally got kind of the gist of everything that was going on. Mm. But I wasn't cast as the voice yet. Like I was just the physicality. And so um, the first table read was scheduled uh, like a week after my first fitting. And I was just like, should I come? Like, I don't know. And, you know, again, I, I called Robin and I was just like, Robin, who's doing the voice? And she was like, George doesn't know. And I was like, well, I do voices. Can I audition for the voice too? And she was like, yes, please. Because she was having a hard time. And George was having a hard time um, kind of picking what the right voice was. So I did like six different voices and gave it to George. And then the table read was coming, right? And I was just like, well, Robin, like George didn't tell me which voice he liked she, and she was just like i'll oh, just pick one <laughs> it's like oh, you guys are leaving too much up to me <laughs> so we get to the table read and i am sweating because <laughs> you know natalie's there it's the first time i met natalie first time i met ewan and liam everybody's on the table read little jake is there and i'm just like what am i doing here like what's going on all these people have careers and stuff and i'm i'm just this kid from the bronx who could do a backflip in six inch heels in a cat suit like why am i here yeah natalie Pullman can't do that so, well i don't know i mean she's quite talented natalie she might <laughs> be able to now, you know natalie's a trained dancer she could probably do all that stuff good point um but uh, we get to the table read and you know Jar Jar comes pretty quick in the, in the movie. You know, they do the Nemoidian thing. They fight off a bunch of battle joys. And at a table read, that takes 20 seconds. You know? They're like, they do the Nemoidian thing, and they're just like, and the Jedi's fight, and now we're on that boat. And I'm like, oh, uh, I got to talk now. And so, you know, the first line of the movie happens, and I do it, and then I do the rest of the movie with this with the voice that eventually was Jar Jar's voice. And wow. like, after the table read, George was like, yeah, that's it. Do that. No. Like, okay, great. We're cool. 
that is surreal. And we, and, and when when you were doing the voice, what what made you choose that? Why why did you end up with that? That was the voice that I used with like my little cousins and little kids every time I would try to make them laugh. And um, because Jar Jar was a kid's character, I kind of leaned that way. Mm. So um, George really liked it. Like, George is really big on children. He's, he, he loves kids. And his main focus was always to get kids to love the movie. And he would always say, like, once you get the kids, you'll have fans for the rest of their lives. And, Which is you know, true. He's right. So he was really big on on Jar Jar being a big part of Phantom Menace just to get the get the kids in there. Wow. Wow. And it it worked because, you know, people like myself, you know, I grew up I I was born in the mid 90s. I grew up in the late 90s and early noughties. And for me, you know, Jar Jar Binks was was a part of my childhood. Darth Maul yeah, was, was a part of my childhood. Qui-Gon was a part of my childhood, yeah. All these characters from episode one. My brother and I would sit on our PlayStation when it was just called the PlayStation, so the PS1 at the time, right, playing, like, these characters. You know, the character yeah. you betrayed was in that. And to me, that was normal. In that galaxy, in that in that story, you know, yeah. in that universe, it was normal. So how his voice sounded, how it, he acted, you know, as a kid... It just, it just was like, well, yeah, that's how it is because that's how it is. There was, there was no question. So, you know, say what you want about episode one, about, you know, with all due respect, your character or about George Lucas, you know, he got it right. He got it right with me and he got it right with millions of other people because there are millions of other people, mine and Matt's age, who, who, you know, concur with the same thought. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, that's, that's all by design, you know. George is really a futurist when it comes to um, how he thinks about putting things up and putting things together. Even if you think about, you know, the the first trilogy, there was stuff that was never done in movies before. You know, ILM was created because he needed a special effects department for A New Hope. So he made one. And now you can't think about movies without thinking about ILM, without thinking about um, a, a company or a group that does special effects. And all the all the visual effects stuff has inspired tons of other companies. But George was kind of the first person to do that. You know, yeah. George was the first person to think about that. You know, George was the first person to think of a trilogy of movies and and have them come out in succession really you know yeah george george was the first person to think about licensing and and toys and dolls and t-shirts and all that kind of stuff so he's really kind of a visionary when it comes to this and it's always funny to me when people criticize george because you know they don't realize that the reason why they can critique him is because he exists Mm. all the things that he did and everything that everyone expects, they expect it because he did it first. So wow. that's always that's always interesting to me when people talk about um, not just Star Wars, but when they talk about visual effects in general in relationship to his work and what he does, the filmmaking in general in relationship to his work. 
mean, cinema mm. owes a debt to George Lucas almost, and not just for creating these films, but like you just said, ILM, Skywalker Sound, things like that. I mean, George, I mean, without George pushing these boundaries and even the technological and visual effects in the prequels, and then moving on to Attack of the Clones, shooting on digital, you know, the first film to yeah, do that, I believe. Yeah, I mean, shot on digital. That's it. I mean, yeah. George has been there. He's been pushing it. So, you know, in decades to come, when we look back at all this and look back at George... People, you know, all of this silliness about, you know, George ruined my childhood, blah, blah, will be washed, we certainly hope, will be washed away when people realise just actually what, if they don't already know, what George gave us to filmmaking and like yeah. just the character of Jar Jar Binks himself before Gollum and before Caesar from Planet of the Apes, you know, the, these are held up mm-hmm. as the mocap performances. We got, we got Jar Jar Binks and... I remember, like, yeah, I remember going 1999. The OG. Got, this, this, is, yeah, this is number one. I remember going to the cinema to watch him, and at the time, it it blended in perfectly because obviously the question was: Is this going to work? Are we going to believe yeah. that this character is on screen acting alongside Ewan McGregor, Liam Neeson, uh, Jake Lloyd, Natalie, and everybody, uh, Ian McDermott, of course, and everybody else? As a kid, yeah. to me, that 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 alien on screen, the Gungan, was on screen. It didn't obviously feel like a it was out of place, which is. Obviously, credit to yourself and credit to George. And I showed it to my young daughter. She's coming up four years old. I showed her Jar Jar the Phantom Menace a couple of months ago. We actually have it recorded on an episode. And she loved it, honestly. Mm-hmm. She was digging it. She was saying, oh, there's Jar Jar. And when he got, when when you, he, got her, separate the art from the artist, got his tongue, obviously, in the um, the beams in the pod racer. She was loving it. And it just like yeah. you say, that's what it's all about. And, I mean, for me, that was something else. And I know a couple of our listeners have mentioned that their kids have been Really, really, they love Jar Jar. I mean, for you, that must be pretty cool to hear, though. Yeah, it's fantastic. I mean, it, it really not only solidifies the, the reasoning behind why George made the decision to create that character, but the collaboration of work that we all did as filmmakers, you know, is something that stands the test of time. And, you know, this whole idea of pioneering something um, and working together as a group or working together as a team to make a thing happen. There was so much pride in the work that we did. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there was so much um, positivity, energy, um, excitement and pride in all of us coming together and going, this works. This is working. We are doing this. And um, when it's dismissed as, as easily as, as dismissed, um, people don't recognize that that's a testament to how good of a job we did as well. You can't even see the amount of work that went into making this thing, right? You, cool. It's so it's so believable and so fathomable and so realistic feeling that you feel the need to criticize it just like you would criticize any other actor mm-hmm. or any other action. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Like even that, even that is a testament to. The work that we did. I'm, unfortunately, you know, you can't give people a film history course, you know, yeah. just in, mm-hmm. in everyday life. Mm-hmm. But um, if if there wasn't a Jar Jar Binks, there wouldn't have been a Gollum. There wouldn't have been a Thanos. Yeah, sure. You know, the software that is still being used today that makes, you know, The Incredible Hulk, that makes Thanos, that makes all of these movies 
is the software that was written based on how I move. That's mad. Whoa. That's mental. <laughs> that All is of that code is based off of me. So there is no character out there who is CGI'd that has not been written based on the code that was me. So now every time I see every time I see Gollum and every time I see Thanos, dude, I'm gonna be thinking, mate, my boy Ahmed. He's there somewhere. He's there yeah. somewhere. But, I mean, I'm in there. I'm I'm the ghost in the machine. <laughs> the reason why it works is because, you know, we figured it out. And it. it was and and Rob Rob Coleman, John Noel, like all of those guys who um collaborated to make Jar Jar, me, Rob, John Noel, George Lucas, we all came together and could not have done it without each other. Mm -hmm. Mm. So Jar Jar is not just me and no visual effects or CGI character is just the performer, Mm -hmm. right? There's a symbiotic relationship between the VFX people, the software people, um, the, the, you know, what they now call virtual filmmakers, like the virtual cinematographer, the virtual cameraman, like all of those people, we all come together to make these characters believable, right? Unfortunately, the actor gets either the accolades or the the criticism, mm-hmm. right? Or the director gets the accolades or the criticism, but it's between those two people, the actor or the director. But there's a whole slew of collaborators in order to make these characters live and that needs to be recognized just as much as the actor no you're you're great it's a testament to those people as well but it's also it's a hindrance that the people there's so many people behind the scenes who don't get recognized when things go well and even if they don't if people don't like what they're seeing there's still a hell of a lot of people who work their backsides off to get that where it was so i i agree and it's uh, it's mental to hear that like you say you are the blueprint you are the you are the say the ghost in the machine. You are the shadow looming over every CGI creation out there. And as soon as you said that, it hit me. I was like, "God damn, that's true." And now you realise how how much CGI has impacted uh, modern filmmaking for better and worse. Yeah. And to know Absolutely. that you're you're behind that, it's incredible. But in terms of working with the the co stars, you mentioned all those names. You know, how, how did you get on day to day with them? Because obviously you're in your you're in your cat suit and your Jar Jar mask. How did you get on with them? And are there any like fun behind the scenes stories you can share? Um, yeah, yeah, we got on really great. Uh, everyone, everyone really came together and worked really well together. And, um, you know, in each movie, I had different relationships with different people. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, me and Natalie, both being New Yorkers, we kind of hit it off. And 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 still do to this day. Like Natalie's one of my one of my best friends. Oh. Um, and Ewan and I were the same age, so um, he and I kind of clicked on that respect. But the person who I, I I thought was the least likely person that I would identify with, who I had kind of the most fun with in Phantom Menace, was Liam Neeson. How cool is that? Wow. We we really connected and it's so it it was it's just really ironic because you know he's much older than me but uh, you know from ireland he Mm -hmm. is a you know his experience growing up and my experience growing up were you know quite different but we had the same humor 
Mm. So, um, and he had just come off of doing uh, Victor Hugo's Les Miserables when he started on The Phantom Menace. So Liam was extremely serious, you know, every day working. He was just like really serious. And so I was just like, ah, you know, we're kind of doing a fun movie, so let's just have fun. And I was desperately trying to make him laugh every day. If my if I could break Liam once <laughs> in a scene, I had a successful day. Like that was that was my margin of whether or not I was doing a good job. Is if Qui Gon Jinn's mustache came flying off of his face, <laughs> I did a good take. What a barometer of success, mate. <laughs> I was like, that's it. I did it. That is the dream. I mean, what a story. Like, what, like, experiences, man. And again, this is, like, what I can't get over is this is still the same, this is the same gentleman who went from Stomp, which is an accomplishment in itself. Yeah. You know, doing, yeah. having a career like that is crazy in its own right. But going to effectively, like, hanging out with these people, you know, people that yeah. will be in books for, for many, many, many years. You know, that yeah. is a... That's an, a massive accomplishment. Um, but, you know, I, I mean, you've already kind of erred on, on this subject a little bit, but you've, you've kind of spoken about the, the, the backlash. And obviously, you know, again, I'll reiterate, as a kid, you know, I wasn't aware of that. However, once I got a bit older and once I became a teenager, it became apparent that, you know, it, it was almost at the end of that era of, oh, yeah, it was cool to make fun of the prequels or whatever, you know. Mm-hmm. But, yeah. you know, it, but but now, you know, times have changed. But obviously, you know, for those of you, uh, you, you know, that keep up to date with with yourself, you did have a tweet that went viral, um, which was in- incredibly, incredibly thought provoking. Um, did did you want to yeah. mention that at all, or would you rather stay away from from that? Yeah, um, that was kind of important. It was a very pivotal um, time because at first I wasn't going to tweet it out. Mm-hmm. Right, I, it, it had been a secret that I had held on to for twenty years, and you know, being a man, and especially being a black man in america there's this facade that a lot of black men have which is just like you know we're perpetually cool Mm -hmm. nothing can really break through that cool black man exterior and because of of racism being so kind of everyday ubiquitous like every day there's a racial challenge Mm -hmm. we develop Mm -hmm. you know this thick skin in which where if there is a hardship, we have to appear as if it doesn't affect us. Mm. If we show any kind of vulnerability, and I think this is just men in general, like men in general have a hard time being vulnerable because vulnerability equals weakness. Mm. Um, then um, we feel as if we've lost something, you know? So I had been reeling from the backlash for a very long time. And, you know, went through severe depression because of it. And so um, one night I felt like it was too much. And I walked to the edge of the Brooklyn Bridge and I was going to jump off. So um, and then, you know, 
and I talk about this a lot in my one man show, mm-hmm. it's like a gust of wind came by and kind of woke me up. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I walked back onto the bridge and then kind of in a daze in this, this weird haze and walked home. And, you know, when I was thinking about it, I was just like, I can't believe I almost did that. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the moment, you know, when I got back to my apartment in Brooklyn, I was just like, I'm just just not going to say anything about this. You know, nobody was around. Nobody saw me do it. Like, you know, do over. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm just going to restart. So, you know, when I was in, this was like a couple years ago, I, I hit this tweet, maybe like two years ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I was walking across the bridge with my son. And I looked at my son and, and I was walking on the bridge and I was like, you my, you know, I almost didn't have you, Man. you know, and oh, my wow. son is, is like the best thing in my life. Like, I love that kid more than I love myself. And that realization of, you know, I almost didn't have you. Of course. It just really hit me heavy. So I took this picture of me and him kind of looking at the spot where I almost jumped off the bridge and it, it was just going to be for me, you know, mm-hmm. it was just going to be my like personal victory that I'm here, you know, that I'm around. But for some reason, um, I felt like that was the right time to share that story. Yeah. And I've been, I have been writing about the whole Jar Jar experience from my perspective, from my point of view. And this is the part that I never wrote about Mm -hmm. this is the part that i always just kind of like kept to myself because i didn't want to appear weak um but you know there's a thing when you're a writer you know you have to write what scares you Mm. and it it really scared me right yeah yeah. Mm. um so i decided to write about it and in order for me to be honest and write about it, I had to admit that it happened. Of course. I had to let it get out there. And so I tweeted it out. And, you know, in my head, I felt like, and eh, nobody's going to really see this anyway. You know, I was like, man, nobody's really going to, nobody really cares. Mm-hmm. Like nobody's really going to care about it. So whatever, I'm going to put it out there. There it is. Done. Uh, Step yeah. one type thing. Yeah, step one, now I can write about it. And then um, the response from the tweet just went crazy. And I, I really didn't expect it, to be honest. Like, I, I didn't really expect it. But it just kind of went nuts. Um, and so I was just like, well, it's out now. <laughs> I, now I got to really talk about it. But once, that, once I did that, then the one-man show just came flying out. I've got to say, a huge respect to you for facing that darkness down, man, and finding the light at the end, you know, facing it up and look what you've got to show for it now. How, I mean, for you, I mean, how far have you come since you mentioned your son being the love of your life? And man, I, I dig, I hear that. But how how far have you come personally since then? Sort of looking back and think where you were then to where you are now. Where 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 are you, man? I've come extremely far. I mean, there, there were there were years where I didn't even want to say Jar Jar Binks. Like the, just the words hurt me to my core. Like I got the, the, the amount of frustration and anger um, 
uh, trying to get people to realize that I did this thing, mm-hmm. you know, I was a part of this thing. And, you know, watching folks do what I did and have entire careers behind it mm-hmm. would just really just get to me, you know? And it wasn't because that, it wasn't because they weren't great, you know? I was really jealous because I wanted to do that type of work as well. Mm-hmm. I wanted to, wanted to continue what I started. And, you know, ironically, no other Black man has ever done a CGI character in movies since me. No, that's a good point. No way. I was the first and last one. No way. What? And all this because people didn't like your portrayal of a character who, a character, well, let's just say that as all our listeners are intelligent, but a character Ahmed was asked to play. And then... You know, rather than separate the art from the artist, people were just like they want, like they had that symbiotic relationship. Ahmed is Jar Jar, Jar is Ahmed. Let's just go after him, and that's the problem with fandom nowadays. And I, I, I can't get my head around it. And you know, I mean, hearing your story there, you know, it chokes me up because I can't put myself in those shoes to think that from just from playing a character, regardless of whether it's a beloved franchise or you know something on the television or whatever it might be, to get that much vitriol, it. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's bothersome and especially after hearing like you say the passion that went into creating the character from yourself from from john from george and rob and everyone and then obviously the film drops one two and three and as we see obviously mm-hmm. i mean jar jar binks has less to do in the three films in terms of screen time and you know people mm-hmm. will say what they want about why but you think the, the after the third one dropped and people are still angry and the stuff that they're saying i can't fathom it mate so i you know it's it's a testament to yourself, obviously, get to forgetting through that. But it is a shame that, you know, people will go to those lengths when all you're doing is your job. Yeah. And, you know, studios just didn't want to deal with the backlash. Like, you know, mm-hmm. studios didn't want to have to, you know, clean up after that amount of vitriol, after that amount of fandom. And it's kind of happening now with, you know, the new lot doing it, yeah. you know. The Rise of Skywalker, yeah. you can see like all of them cats ready to walk away from it. You know, it's it's just a harrowing experience, and for something that is supposed to be so joyful, it's incredible to see how much anger and and disappointment um, some people can put out there, and how loud that is. And I think we have to be fair and say that the negative is louder than the positive. I don't know if it's more negative than positive. I would venture to say that there's probably just as much positive. Mm-hmm. However, the negative gets more attention. It's sexy, isn't of it? It gets more clicks, get, you know, it gets the attention, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. of course. And so when when that happens, the people who are just doing the job that's all you hear, you know? Um, I think because I went through what I went through, it's a lot easier for the new cats who are getting it to kind of recognize what it is and take steps in order to move away from it, Mm -hmm. right? And, And Lucasfilm has figured that out as well. 
So Lucasfilm knows how to protect their people now because of what I went through. So, you know, it's a lot easier for them. Like, you know, John Boyega was getting static over there about, you know, Finn and his portrayal. And, you know, people were upset at him for some reason. And But he did a very good job at shielding himself from Mm. it, you know? Mm. Um, you know, by the same token, like he had stuff on his resume that, that, um, I didn't have, you know what I'm saying? Like he's already, he was already in movies. We, we already knew him like over over here. He was in, he was in a few indie films. He was in like a cult classic called Attack the Block. Yeah. So, but certainly, yeah, which is a sick film, but like, it, from like you're right from from an american perspective you know he was very much a new new kid on the block when he really force awakens came around yeah and you know subsequently had the savvy enough and the people around him enough to go okay we're going to pivot to this this way around it you know but um i don't think anyone could make those type of speculative decisions if you know, the backlash from Phantom Menace mm. never happened. Mm. Which is, obviously, it's th- there's a positive in there, but it came from a negative. It came from, you know, something that, that is, that's a very dark time in, in your life, sadly. Um, but, but, you know, in, in one way, because you went through that and, you know, you were, you were a strong person, you came through it, and you have your beautiful family, um, and that that photo in itself, by the way, is it's a it's a beautiful photo, the one with you and your your son on the bridge. It's gorgeous, you know, and it, it goes to show that you know because of that, because of that hardship, these people might just have it easier. Still doesn't make it right, and you know the fact that that happens now, and it's it's kind of like evolved into an almost like a new fan backlash with with access to social media with access to youtube instantly you know you've got people like bless her heart kelly marie tran who portrayed rose in the last jedi you know she had to leave social media because of it which is which is it's horrible it doesn't matter what you think of the character or whatever even even the plot or the story of the film if you're a decent person you you don't you don't attack that part that 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 actor you know, like Matt said, the artist yeah. from the art, you know, you you just have to separate it. But but on, you know, w- without trying to move things along too much, you know, because I'm very aware that is a very emotional subject. But I can't help but think, Ahmed, of I was watching you, mate, on stage in Chicago nearly, nearly a year ago today, mate. Yeah, yeah. yeah? And I know I, you know what I'm going to say, right? So mm-hmm. being on that celebration stage, you were brought out onto that celebration stage yeah, in Chicago, Star Wars Celebration, and the people, like I was here in the UK watching it, <laughs> yeah. I was streaming it, the people in that room cheering for you, mate. They erupted. Cheering for you. People from our generation, people that grew up with the prequels, people that, that grew up with the originals, people that are cheering for Jar Jar and for you, for your portrayal. How did you feel after that? Because obviously coming from that dark place, coming from these crazy years, decades, to a place where you have thousands of people cheering you on, how how did that make you feel? Yeah, it was, it was a bit overwhelming, to be honest. Um, 
I didn't know what to expect. Mm -hmm. I hadn't been to a celebration since 1999. So um, I I tried to do my best to avoid them all, you know, because I just didn't want to deal with it. Um, And it was emotionally difficult. It really was. But, you know, like I said, sharing that story and sharing the tweet really helped me turn a corner and um, helped me really face how painful it was, you know, and embrace this new level of what healing is supposed to be. And I really wanted to go to celebration for that reason. Like this was where the healing kind of begins, you know, Mm. it began with writing, writing the one man show. Mm. Um, But then I had to face that crowd i had to face that audience and see if i was emotionally able enough to to be in a room filled with star wars fans Mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying because there there are there are times when i just don't want to be in that room because it's just too hard you know it's just it's really really emotional for Mm -hmm. me it's just it's really painful you know star wars was the first movie i ever saw no way back in back in the 70s i was always a fan wow and i've been a fan first and you know being in movies and seeing what's behind the curtain kind of takes the shine away from it that's it but it didn't do that for me when i was in phantom menace i loved it like i loved i loved being there and you know growing up a poor kid in the bronx and being on this film set is such a huge journey. And I was 24 years old at the time. So I was thinking, man, the sky's the limit. Like, this is just the beginning. I never thought of it as an end to anything. And that's what it became. It became this ending. So going to Celebration in Chicago, I was like, this has to be a new beginning. Mm-hmm. This can't be the the end of the chapter. This has to be the start of chapter two. Um, and that's why I went. So I was I was pleasantly surprised, but I was uh, it was very emotional for me. Like you can if you look at like pictures or something from that, you can see my face and I'm just kind of like in a daze a little bit. I watched it yesterday, mate. I jumped on YouTube um <laughs> last night to watch it. Firstly, you're looking sharp on there, I gotta say. But cheers, man. Cheers. Carbo Andy Carboni, that man looked like he's about to burst out of his attire. He was so excited to be announcing you, mate. Yeah. And just honestly, watching it again, because like Lukey Boy, I, I streamed it and watched it. And um, the reaction was just wild. And it's, it is like kind of like the excitement level came full circle. It took mm-hmm. 20 years of that, like everything you just mentioned, and then get yeah. into the level where you can go into that room and feel that. I mean, that for, I mean, whatever people say about the fandom, that was a wonderful moment. And it was great for us to yeah. watch. And you've just said he didn't want it to be the big, big end. He wanted it to be the beginning. Disney Plus has just happened. It's just dropped in the UK. Little things coming oh, up. Oh, nice. Jedi Temple Challenges. Now I hear yeah, yeah. someone is going to be hosting that. Yeah, I'm hosting. Um, and this is part of the, the 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 healing as well. Like I didn't want to come back to Star Wars, but you know, like I said earlier, George was always just like it's about the kids. You know, mm-hmm. it's about the kids. It's about the young people 
getting into it and having something for the rest of their lives. And I think Star Wars has lost something um, without George. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I think that something is the thing, it's, it's not necessarily a thing that people believe in anymore, right? The faith aspect of Star Wars is, is, has kind of fallen behind the action aspect of Star Wars, right? And the thing that people don't really talk about very much in these movies is the force. The force is this now magical thing that only this certain line of family people can do, mm-hmm. right? Back in the prequels and back in the, in the first trilogy, the force was the thing that was the universe. The force was the thing that binds us all. And the Jedi have this special relationship with the Force. But the Force is out there. You know what I mean? The Force is something that we could all draw from in a way, whether physically as a Jedi or emotionally as someone who believes it's there. So this faith aspect of the Force has kind of gotten lost. You know, it's the whole, like, everybody moved more towards the Han Solo side of the Star Wars stories and less from the Luke Skywalker side of the Star Wars Mm -hmm. stories where, you know, if you're a Joseph Campbell fan, the hero, the journey that you're following is the hero's journey. And we're not following that hero's journey so much anymore, you know, Um, which I think is the thing that made us all fans. So when Jedi Temple Challenge came around, I was like, I think this is a good way to go because now you're seeing, you're going to be able to see how young Jedi become Jedi Knights. Mm-hmm. And as as a as a kid, I always loved those like Shaw Brothers Kung Fu flicks where, you know, the 36 chambers of Shaolin, where somebody would beg to be in. Shaolin Temple and like stir soup for three years, and then next thing you know, they know Kung Fu. Right? <laughs> just like that. Accurate. Yeah. <laughs> I, I always love those things. It's just like, all I'm doing, all I'm doing is stirring soup. I don't understand. How come I don't know Kung Fu? And then the next thing you know, they're like flying over villages. Like, oh, how did I know stirring soup would give me all the Kung Fu knowledge I need? I know what I'm going to be doing in quarantine. Yeah. Just stir some soup, you'll learn Kung Fu. <laughs> but um, Jedi Temple Challenge made me feel like that. I was just like, oh man, I can be like, you know, one of those monks in Shaolin Temple who shows, you know, the the new disciples how to how to learn Kung Fu. How to stir that soup. Wow. Which is so good because you're you're passing it on to again, it's another generation. But this but this isn't, a, from my understanding, this is more of like a live action, like a quiz show, isn't it? It's not, it's yeah, not like a, a, yeah, like a game show. Sorry. Yes. Spot on. So has that filmed? Have you filmed the first season of that yet? Yep. First what? season is done and in the can. And hopefully I actually have a, a call. As soon as I get off the phone with you guys, I'm going to have to call them. But no. um, hopefully it'll be out relatively soon um they wanted to do it for 
the summertime because kids are out of school, but mm-hmm. now kids are out of school. So um, I'm hoping they push it sooner. Wow. Wouldn't that be amazing? Wouldn't that be amazing? I, I can't wait to watch the me. The kid in me wants to see it. Man. Oh, yeah. And it, you know, it's very much a kid show. So I, I really love the fact that, you know, you know, during my toughest times, it was always the kids that lifted me up. Mm-hmm. You know, it was always the kids who were just like, I love Jar Jar. Always the kids who would laugh when Jar Jar would come on the screen. That would always make me feel good. That would always give me hope. So when they asked me to do this, I felt like I needed to give back to the kids. Of course. Um, and and this is this is kind of my way of giving back. And again, it is poetic, you know, that it, this is what you're doing again. You're doing that that purpose that, that Jar Jar had, you know, 20 years ago. You're doing that again on a yeah. different format to the next generation of, of Star Wars younglings. You know, that's amazing. Yeah. Now, 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 Ahmed, we, we do we do have a cheeky question to ask you. Um, there has been a lot of speculation and a lot of rumor on the interwebs lately mm. in regards to a Disney Plus show, but not necessarily the Jedi Temple Challenge one. It's the, um, well, to, 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 to be clear, there is basically a lot of rumors going around that you and Jar Jar Binks will be appearing in the Obi-Wan Kenobi Disney Plus show. Do you yeah, know anything I, about that? I keep hearing that too. Um <laughs> I, 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 no one has told me. <laughs> <laughs> what am I getting on the phone? <laughs> no one, no one has mentioned anything to me about it. Yeah. If um, they did, if, if some, if someone from Lucasfilm said, gave you a call, said Ahmed, you know, um, we would, we'd love for you to come back as the character of Jar Jar, you know, in however big the role would be in a Kenobi or any other Lucasfilm, you know, series or film or something. Was that something you considered doing, like bringing the character back, or are you kind of happy with where he went? Because I was going to ask you about his um his canon end in Aftermath Empire's End, but our our good friend Jamie Stangram and your good friend he beat us yeah, to yeah, the punch. Yeah, yeah. yeah but yeah. would you would you bring the character back though? It really depends on what it is. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. I, I would really I would really have to read the the script and see what it is. I mean, I I love you and McGregor so very much that he would be he's he would be a big reason for me to say yes but i do have to check it out and um of course i'd really have to read it you know i'd really have to read it um but uh i'm definitely i'm definitely if if it was right yes i would nice someone get writing then come on come on script writers come on yeah, get him on, get him on. <laughs> well, we, I think me and Luke, we we would happily see the character back on screen because we've kind of gone on our own journey with Jar Jar. As kids, we liked him. As teens, you kind of, you, 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 the, like you said, it's cool to hate on the prequels, even though we grew up with them, we like them. And now, as as adults, you know, the character of Jar Jar, we 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 accept what Jar Jar's all about, and in our own ways, and in how, like I say, whether it's seeing it through the eyes of my daughter. Or Luke, who was there, who was who was a youngling himself when the film came out. We, you know, we the character for ourselves has left like an indelible touch on the saga for us and growing up as well. So, um, firstly, thank you to that for that. But I mean, the last yeah. question from me um, before we move on to anything else is for you: How proud are you of Jar Jar 
and his involvement in the saga? Uh, I'm incredibly proud of Jaja. I mean, not just for uh, his story, but um, for the experience that I gained from playing Jar Jar, from the friends that I made with my fellow actors and the collaborators in the movie. Um, and especially with, with George, you know, I used to drive to work with George every once in a while. And, um, and I would sit behind George every day uh, as, as he would work and just kind of being a fly on the wall and being quiet. Uh, he really taught me a lot. And, you know, since then I've gotten, you know, my advanced degree in film and I teach at a major university. I teach at university of Southern California. Nice. Um, I teach a film course to actors and, and if it wasn't for those experiences, if it wasn't for that, then I probably wouldn't be on the path that I am today. And I, and I have to, have to thank George for that. I have to thank Jar Jar for that. And, you know, I can always reach a very solid group of people like yourselves to share, um, you know, the love of story with, you know, share the love of this, this world and this universe with, and we all, we always have something that connects us. So I appreciate that. And, you know, I appreciate being a part of this huge, now even larger Star Wars family, you know, back in the day, you couldn't have a career in Star Wars, but thanks to the prequels, you can now. Mm -hmm. So um, that's a, that's a big thing. That's a big thing. And I'm just very proud to be a part of it. Thank you very much, Ahmed Best. You're an absolute legend. And that's a thank you from us. That's a thank you from the community. And um, speak, speaking of community, would you mind if we asked you a few short questions from some of our most loyal listeners? These are our patrons. They support the show financially and they help keep the show going every week. Would you mind if we asked you some questions from them? Sure, sure. All right, mate. Thank you so much. So, um, right, we we got two questions that are basically the same. Uh, they've come from, firstly, Sean Hudson, who says, what are your acting plans for the future? And then Luke Summerfield also asked, what's next for you after Jedi Temple Challenge? Hopefully you get to be in season two of The Mandalorian and future movies. And uh, he also thanked Ahmed for entertaining him as a child and now entertaining his children too. So we've got another dad there thanking you. Oh man, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate that very much. Um, next for me... Um, you know, I'm always writing. Uh, the, the big thing uh, is the one man show, which I was supposed to bring to the Edinburgh Fringe this year. Oh. But then this whole thing got all crazy. You would have come up and met you for a beer, man. Started. Yeah, man, it would have been fun. I, 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 I'm hoping that we get this virus under control and by next year mm -hmm. um, I can bring the one man show to the Edinburgh Fringe. Um, but that's the, that's the big deal. Uh, the one man show and um, also two black dudes, which I do with my, one of my best friends, my brother, Mr. Jay Lee. Uh, he mm -hmm. and I have a, a web show right now called two black dudes. And we are writing season three of that. And hopefully we'll be doing that uh, very soon as well. And then um, I'm directing a bunch of stuff that should be, you know, it all really depends on when the world starts 
opening again. Cool. But mm. as soon as that um, happens, then hopefully you'll see some stuff that I directed out there in the universe. Sweet. Wow. Thank you, mate. We had another one from Matthew Bell. He said, um, apparently Jar Jar was intended to have a different role in the prequels with a popular, rather far-fetched suggestion that he was an undercover Sith. But aside <laughs> from that, he says, are you aware if there is any truth in any of, any of this? Not necessarily the Sith bit, but more that Jar Jar was meant to have a, more of an evolution of his role, but it was, you know, it deviated from what it should have been. Well, um, there definitely would have been more to Jar Jar had not the backlash happened i think personally um i can't speak for george but um i think it, there would have definitely been uh more but um there were things you know the, the interesting thing about that sith theory is it picked up on a lot of the stuff that i was doing i was doing a lot of like kind of undercover physicalities to bring a lot more depth and dimension to jar jar and my background as a martial artist and as a mover definitely came into play with a lot of it. So, you know, a lot of the, the martial arts influence um, of Jar Jar was definitely uh, on purpose. Tapped into the dark side, man. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, um, next, we got a question from Dylan Q who says this uh-huh. first. He, he says, please let Ahmed know how much my sisters and I love him and Jar Jar. We got his merch oh, every... We got his merch every chance we had, always chose love. to be him in the playground and really loved his warmth and energy. He asks, what's the best thing about returning to the Star Wars galaxy now? Um, it's the kids. The best thing is the kids. I, I, I just, just, I love the fact that when you're a kid, you can grow up with this mythology and it can be definitely a part of you. And there were just some days on Jedi Temple Challenge where the kids would show up and you would see them brighten up so much. And then this one one kid came up to me and he said, "You're this is a dream come true to be on this, be in this mm-hmm. world. And it just brings you back to when you were a kid, you know? Like, I remember how I, how I felt when I saw Star Wars, and I just love that feeling. So um, that's what that's what excites me about being back on the kids. Wow. What an answer. What an answer. And, and just to add to that, the, our conversation we're having right now is proof in the pudding that that worked with episode one with the prequels and myself you know yeah. the fact that we're really right. talking right now we, we are proof of that so yeah thanks again cheers thank you uh, and we've got one last one from a local boy george constantinou he said of course besides jar jar binks who is your favorite star wars character um who is my favorite? that's a tough 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 <laughs> question uh you know when i was growing up i wanted to be han solo that was my dude so um <laughs> definitely han solo definitely han solo but you know i i think it's between han solo and obi-wan kenobi because what what um you and mcgregor brought to obi-wan he brought a kind of like snarky kind of cool swag to obi-wan Sassy that movie. i really enjoyed mm-hmm. you know i really really enjoyed that so it's Obi-Wan Kenobi and probably between Obi-Wan and Han Solo. 
a good answer, mate. And there's one last question from a guy called Matt Hudson. I know him quite well. It's me. I just wanted to know what, yeah. you know, out of the nine films, ten films, however many there are now, we do a show. I can't remember how many films there are. But which is, you know, which is your favorite? Do you have a favorite Star Wars film, or is it the first one you saw, or is any of the new ones, or the ones that you were in, kind of your favorite? I, I do. The Empire Strikes Back is probably my favorite film of all time. Mm-hmm. Wow. My wow. favorite Star Wars film, and I just feel like The Empire Strikes Back is the perfect movie. Yeah, you know, yeah. Really, is. It really is. It's gold, isn't it? It is absolute gold. And just like you, Ahmed Best, you are absolute Star Wars gold. Thank you so much for being on the show, coming on the podcast, answering all our questions and discussing funny things, you know, and things that we can definitely learn uh, from as fandom. You know, that's something I really want to take mm-hmm. away from here. I think there's a lot of people can learn from your amazing experience because of what you've been through and what you were very, very honest about in, and, and said in a lovely way. So thank you so much for coming and spending your time with us, mate. Thank you as well. I really appreciate everybody who um, listens to the program and everyone who finds the joy in the stuff that we try to do. You know, all we out here doing is we're doing our jobs, but if um, we can give you something that not only entertain, but believe in, then we've done what we were supposed to do. Legend. Legend. Man. You've, you've, made, you've made this man's evening, and I know you've made that man over there, Luke Bly's evening as well. So, mate, again, Echo and Luke, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you for talking Star Wars. Thank you for being honest with us. And, yeah, thanks for everything you've given to the community. And keep on keeping on. Cheers, man. Will do. Thank you, guys. Hey, this is Vanessa Marshall, the voice of Harrison Dula from Star Wars Rebels. And you're listening to Star Wars Sessions, probably Britain's greatest Star Wars podcast. Mate, we've just had a chat with Ahmed Best and what a lad he was. What a lad indeed. that, That is... One of the most surreal things I've ever done in my life. And I mean that, you know, if if you went back and my missus told me this earlier, you know, if I went back to 99 and to the early noughties and, you know, you told me, oh, by the way, Luke, you're going to be talking to Jar Jar Bings one day. And I wouldn't believe you. It's crazy. Mate, it really is a a surreal moment. And I'm I'm so honoured and humbled by it. it. It is the one of the best things ever. You know, it's crazy. No pun intended. It was one of the best conversations we've had. Oh, think, yeah. <laughs> think back to that cheeky time we met up for a uh, hazelnut latte. And what did you have a cappuccino? Were you a mochaccino, man? Oh, mate, it was either a cheeky mocha or a latte. Or caramel latte of some sort. Meeting up for that, that a couple of years ago. Hey, shoot. And then uh, let's just do a little once a month little podcast about Star Wars. If that, we'll do three shows. Now look where we are. Thanks to yeah. our listeners. Thanks to the support and the the quality, so we say that we, <laughs> we, we give each other. But um, it, to be able to do things like this is wonderful. So uh, that was wicked, man. Yeah, man. And it, it's a testament to the to our listeners and our community we have. You know, I think we're getting a little bit of a reputation of being just, just fair and friendly. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? You can have whatever opinion you want on any of the films. But, you know, just be fair and be friendly and be nice. You know, and, and it goes a long way. So once again, Ahmed and everyone, thank you. Yeah, listen to what Ahmed said and if it wasn't for the listeners pushing for this interview to Ahmed on Twitter you know that was a massive draw in getting this so guys thank you each and every one of you but that is that 
For this landmark episode of Star Wars Sessions number 58, but the fun doesn't end there, it never ends. No one's ever really gone. So where can the world find us online, Master Blywalker? You can find us at starwarsessions.co.uk or you can find us on Twitter at Star Wars Session with no S at the end. That's at Star Wars Session on Twitter. Or you can slide into our galactic DMs on Instagram at Star Wars Sessions with the S on the end that time. That's at Star Wars Sessions on Instagram. Or feel free to drop us a cheeky voice note or cheeky message to our email address, which is SWS at what I watched tonight.co.uk that's sws at whatwatchtonight.co.uk and if you want to support the show further please consider checking out our patreon at patreon.com forward slash star wars sessions well said also we're on anchor fm spotify apple podcast stitcher tune in everywhere in the galaxy you can find a podcast you're going to find us there and if you do love our show please consider leaving us a good review on your podcast provider of choice. And also head over to podchaser.com. It's the IMDB for podcasts. We're on there. It's awesome. So if you have the time, please drop us a review on there as well because it helps us more than you know. And as I always say, we love hearing from you guys, the best listeners in the galaxy. And please tell all your Star Wars friends about us. Tell your mum, tell your dad, tell your mates, tell your cats, tell your dogs too. Tell the kids who used to run around in the Jar Jar Binks t-shirts. I'm looking at you, Dylan. Tell your Ewok, tell your cousin. The more, the merrier. The Kessel's spicier. That's it. Tell everyone that this is the podcast you're looking for. However, till next time, from me... It's see ya, and from Luke. May the force be with you, always. They are Essex-based podcast heroes. The ability to speak does not make you intelligent. Tell that to Kanja Club. <laughs>